what motivates me more is seeing other people struggling with where I've been. How can I not look back and see someone on the path that I've walk down mm -hmm. and how can I not be open? That for me feels like I have an obligation more than me just kind of talking about it because I want to talk about it. If my one story can make someone feel less alone, you know, I'm in. All right, welcome back to the Gravity Podcast. Today's guest is my friend, Carrie Croft, co-founder of SOS based out of Columbus, Ohio, and the host of the Carrie Croft Show. SOS is a fitness company operating three studios in Ohio, as well as the SOS Digital Studio, which supports clients all over the world via subscription-based fitness model. SOS was created with the idea that you deserve to live your best, most badass life while you can. And uh, as you will hear right out of the gate, it's a little bit of a unconventional start and interview, but Carrie and I just always enjoy conversation and uh, hanging out and shooting the shit. So hopefully you'll enjoy it from the start as much as I did. Yeah, good. Yeah. Feel good. See, you sound echoey to me. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you might want to. Sounds like a you problem, but maybe no, Nicole. I'm not echoey. So you need to adjust your microphone. I want to come close. Just yeah, a little bit. Okay. So you're, you sound a little more sultry. It's interesting because uh, I was just like wondering if I was on your show or if, if you're on my show. Or it's going to be a little, you know, there's going to be, there's probably uh, going to be a couple of times where we wonder. Yeah. We're going to wrestle see who's gonna that's okay i know you like that i've watched some of your clips uh -huh. you like to like get, chest to get chest spicy get a little spicy uh -huh. yeah a little satire a little satire happened it's kind of yeah. your thing yeah it is my yeah. thing you never know what i'm gonna do yeah no i don't you it's, never know and and it's whatever it is it's it's good by me actually this is your show yeah so i will i will do whatever whatever dial you want to be on oh but if you ever well, come on my show we'll see about that yeah all bets are off Oh, well, when it's when I'm on your show, it's it's whatever you want to do. It will be really, really something. But Nicole, are you recording? Okay. Oh wait, is this thing on? Have well, we, we might start using this. Yeah, we'll I see. love it. Let's do it. But the thing is, in order for me to come on your show, uh, I would have to be invited. Well, we're so I have a I have a pool of people who are sort of they're sort of in purgatory. They're like they're an if. And uh -huh. you're in there. I'm in there. You're in there. Wow. So we're, we're going to okay. see how this goes. We're going to see. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I figured, you know, I've been looking at the, the lineup and just <laughs> thought I was not quite, you know, in that first group, which is cool. And, you know, just here anytime that, you know, it feels right to you. Yeah, we're, we're going to, I'll let you know. My people will call your people. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I'm taking a little bit of a pivot. I've been super focused on like crazy bone, okay. busy bone, yeah. you know, trying to get, you know, some artists on the show. Okay. And I just have been, been preoccupied, but you're yeah. on my list. Okay. And plus you stole Andrew Grossman from me, if we're going to be honest. Well, he was, he, stole he, was oh, he was on my top 10 list. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's on your podcast. Well, you know, in, in fairness to me, I have been friends with Andy Grossman since I was eight years old, mm -hmm. and, and you didn't share your top 10 list. No. So I don't know that I stole him. So how long have you been doing this podcast? A few years. And you just decided to ask him, was he on your like C list then? No. How good of friends are you with no, I, Andy? I, I, no, I have a policy that I don't generally do podcast with friends it's just not sort of my thing because that would be too fun <laughs> it's you know well, i have a lot of friends well that's and, true you know, that that's true everybody you know wants to come on and it's not always easy to make that work for everybody and, and it just doesn't always work out it doesn't always work out but you know andy had you know a pretty specific thing which obviously you were interested y in too and, yes. and by the way you know i I think you could still have him on. Well, he told me he wants to come on. Yeah, so you should do that. Andrew. Oh, well, he'll, I don't think it has to he'll be, be in my, he'll be in this. Well, I didn't want to just have him on right after you had him on. So uh -huh. like, there is a certain like, I have to wait a bit and I have to figure out a different angle, different avenue. Mm -hmm. So I can't just go on 270 with Andrew. I have to find like, you know, avenues and, and little lanes that like nooks and crannies that, yeah. that may not have come out in your show. So then yeah. I have to work harder for it. Yeah. Well, no. listen, you know, here's the good news, okay? The 
the, the 300 people that listen to my show and and mm-hmm. you know i don't know how many are listening to yours about that, 12 oh, right at least 12. So, so i might like there might be like three or four of your 12 overlap. That, so like i don't i think you do whatever you want like nobody's actually listening no, to this shit anyway no, noted right you noted. Know, so it's cool like i wouldn't get all heady about it just you know ask away you know more importantly i know i'm in that like d group so no just, you're gonna come on I'll sit there and wait I, and- I will tell you i have been so i've been working on this new studio Mm-hmm. And I have been, it's been sort of like a weird thing because I've been having people come to my house, mm-hmm. which has been kind of cool, but then also kind of like weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been kind of saving certain invites to, to where I to the new studio. You really are the A plus or the A plus. And so this- So like Gene, it was cool to have Gene to Gene and I go way back. Okay. You know, Gene and I go way back. Yeah. So, you know, yes. You know who my Andy Grossman is? Who? Diane. What do you mean? I was going to have her on. You were going to? Yeah. So why didn't you have her on? Because you beat me to it and now your 12 listeners have already heard it. And, you know, it's just like they're- Ship has sailed. Yeah. So my goal too is to have some people that come on the show as cameos. And that's kind of what I'm so what some I'm trying to guess. Well, so I want it to be really like a show. So where you can have certain episodes that include certain dynamics of people, which is another okay. reason why I'm moving into that space so I can have three microphones. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so what I've done is I've sort of just organically picked people who felt good. Yeah. And we're, we're not in one genre or niche or anything else. Like, it's just kind of a wild card, you know, fuster cluck Mm -hmm. of my life. And then depending on the numbers and the engagement and the comments and how well it goes, like, I'm kind of trying to figure out like, who would be some like suspect, like the usual suspect that you would see Mm -hmm. here and there. And Diane's definitely in that. Yeah, that makes sense. You, you probably need like some sidekicks yeah for sure yeah mm-hmm. like some, baba booey yeah you do fafa fuhai yeah, yeah i don't know if diane you know being as accomplished as she is would take kindly to being your fafa fui no she definitely wouldn't be so diane would be more of like a for example if you're into any of those murder mysteries or the things that happen right. you know like the yes. murder and stuff like yeah, that yeah so she it's would the, be that would be fun she would be one to come on and kind of give like a debrief or whatever, or just deeper topics. Like I, you know, she and I have talked recently about the treatment of women in certain mm-hmm. industries, specifically attorneys. And- well, let me let me just interrupt you for a second because I know you super well and we could probably do this all day. Yeah. And you might even be like wanting to do this so that you don't actually have to talk about your shit. But that's what we do here. So I'm gonna back up. I love it. Cool. And I love it. I'm gonna First of all, welcome. Thank you. Our guest today is Carrie Croft. Thank you. And we've been friends a long time mm-hmm. and I love shooting the shit with you. We've had some good talks. Yeah. At one point you trained me, which worked out terribly for both of us. <laughs> I disagree. I feel like it was so fun. It was fun. It was, it was really fun. fun. Yeah. But, you know, it was sort of expensive fun. And this is you true. Know, it was more like, therapy i think than it was yeah uh, fitness but yeah anyway you're, but that's why we got cl- how we got so close it is it's great and here we are and you're awesome in so many ways and uh what i like to do on my podcast which <laughs> this is my podcast so i'm gonna <laughs> attempt to do what i like to do <laughs> i fucking love you and and then like if i ever make the cut in the new bougie studio we'll do what you want to do Fair. No, no pressure. Fair enough. But yeah, so I want to start at the beginning of the life of Carrie Croft. <laughs> and yeah, I wanna I want you to start to unpack some stuff for me. Four score and twenty thousand years ago. Yep, yep. We're going way back. Okay. And I want you to talk a little bit about what it was like for you as a as a young little Carrie Croft and Talk a little bit about your family and, you know, how you were raised and your upbringing and all that good stuff. I would love to. I have a very interesting story, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just interesting in the, the two parents that raised me. If, if the universe would have reached down and picked one, they would have picked and gone down again and picked the other. They couldn't have picked. Mm. They could not have picked two more opposite people. So I'm from Lima, Ohio. My parents met young in Lima 
And my dad went to Ohio University, you know, it was like in the 70s or the hippie days and all that. And they married very young uh, and they divorced very quickly. I think I was probably like five or six years old when they divorced. So I have a mom who is, you'd meet her, you'd love her. She comes out of left field. She says all kinds of quirky shit and she struggles with mental health. She struggles with, I think, her feelings day to day, right? And she always has. She's always kind of just been someone who struggles with sort of moving forward in mm-hmm. just regular life stuff. Mm-hmm. And then as fate would have it, my dad, when they got divorced, he was just, he came from a very stable home. My mom did not. Very opposite of stable. My dad came from a very stable home, saw a father who worked diligently in a plant in Lima, Ohio, making school buses. My grandpa's name was Hap because he they wanted to call him Joy because he was always so happy, but he's a he was a guy, so they wanted to call him Hap. So my dad quickly started climbing the ranks in the automotive industry. And he ended up leaving and going to Toledo. And then he went to North Carolina. And I mean, the guy was just on a path, right? So I come from, you know, watching my mom struggle to sort of move day to day. And then a dad who was to say an overachiever. I mean, he became the CEO of Harley Davidson. I mean, that's pretty incredible, Mm -hmm. you know, by your average standards. So I have seen, uh, I've seen a very different way, a different approach to life, right? So you kind of have to look at all of it Mm -hmm. and sort of pick and choose, you know, you naturally are who you are as well, your DNA, but you sort of look at things, you're like, wow, like, how do I want to operate and how do I want to be? But but let me ask you, so, so you lived with your mom? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and siblings? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I have a brother, Casey, who's 14 months younger than me. And then my mom and dad both quickly remarried, as mm-hmm. oftentimes that happens. Mm-hmm. And then you have half siblings. Mm-hmm. So my dad and my stepmom, Deb, had Brandon, Caitlin, and Haley. And then my mom had DJ and Alex. Mm-hmm. So we have a big mm-hmm. crew. And so you were then living with your mother and your now half siblings. And uh, my brother, Casey. And your brother, Casey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what was that like, you know, with your mom's struggle and, you know, was it like an obvious struggle or something you look back on, you know, what was it like just day to day and life, you know, being you and that family? Well, looking back on it now as a woman and a mom, I have a lot more understanding and empathy for what my mom was dealing with. So Mm -hmm. she, she got remarried, had two other kids. So now you have two kids who are basically teenagers and you have two infants. I mean, mm-hmm. anyone out there who's experienced that, it's like, well, you're just trying to survive. And then my brother, Alex, my, my, I have the exact same story. Yes. Yeah. My brother, Alex ended up, he was two months premature. He was in the Toledo hospital for a very long time and he has CP. So, you know, my mom has dealt with her share of stuff. So it wasn't the time it was just, I think she was just kind of surviving and trying to do her best. And I was just sort of this very rebellious, this is going to surprise you, Mm -hmm. very strong, Mm. willed, Mm -hmm. confident Mm. teenager. Could you imagine me in teenage form? Right, right. So that's how you were. You were, and do you remember that that's kind of like the DNA piece, like you were always like that? Mm -hmm. Or did you have to kind of become like that because the divorce? No. So I, if you look at my DNA imprint, like who I act the most like innately is my dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's and uncanny. he's strong. And, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. I just very confident, owns a room, mm-hmm. kind of can lack some compassion sometimes. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just very, I'm a force of nature. Mm-hmm. That's always been me. So where yeah. other people have to like pump, like puff their chests up to enter a room, I have to like remind myself, be humble and sit down. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's really by nature who I am. And then when you add all of this into it, when you add, which you probably, you know this, the fault line that a divorce creates inside of a child, Mm -hmm. when you add that in where you're like, you know what, like they got a divorce, they hate each other. They're both in new camps now. And Mm -hmm. I'm basically, I have, somebody has got to be my champion. Yeah. Not that they didn't love me. Of course they love me. Are you kidding me? But, but you can only do so much and, and you're human and you're, you're off running on these new paths. I mean, my dad was clearly climbing a corporate ladder of, you know, he didn't have a ton of time. Plus logistically he wasn't around. And and then my mom, she's handling, you know, DJ Mm -hmm. and Alex. And so you have to quickly become your own cheering section. 
Yeah, it's interesting because you know you mentioned looking back now that you're a mother and a wife and you know can look back and have some perspective. I've had this experience too. It's like, man, you have such an appreciation I do for my parents when I think about like, you know, just how much was on their plate, how hard it was, all the balls that are trying to be juggled. And, you know, even if there are best of intentions, it's, it's a lot for, you know, a couple people to handle. And, and there is some sort of like independence that is built and required to, to be able to navigate that. And, you know, ultimately I think that probably has served you really well, but, you know, it's hard too, and Mm -hmm. probably was really hard and harder than maybe we even knew because it was just our reality. Yeah. 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 It definitely had its challenges. Yeah. So tell me about this, uh, this strong teenager, mm-hmm. a bit rebellious, you know, I want to hear more. What did that look like? How did that come out? Like, who were you? What was going on? So I was an athlete. I was a cheerleader. I played basketball, all kinds of stuff. I worked since I was 15. So I was worked at this grocery store, Dave's Markets. It was actually my stepdad's father's restaurant chain or uh, grocery chain. So I was always a very hard worker. I don't remember not working. It was once I had a car, I was off and running and would work whatever I could do, you know, however I could make money and do sports. And I was actually like, I never applied myself in school, but I did okay. Like I just, I never studied. I never brought a book home and there was no one telling me to do, do that. Mm. So I was kind of like, I would steal like a bottle of Asti Swamani out of the garage and drink with my, you know, a couple girlfriends and, and, you know, just kind of do like rowdy stuff. Like I remember getting suspended from a cheerleading, you know, cheerleading game. And I went to the reservoir and drank and, you know, just, I mean, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like I remember doing, but I never, I wasn't like totally off the wall, mm-hmm. but I just was going to do kind of what any t- typical teenager would do with minimal supervision. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it probably was fun. Too. It was really fun. And when yeah. you're in Lima, we got anybody out there from L-Town, there's not a lot to do aside from go to the reservoir and make out and drink and tip cows around. Like uh-huh. it's just, you know. L-Town. No, I've never tipped a cow. Well, that's good. Yeah, L-Town. Bean Town. Okay, L-Town. All right. So that's what just, that's just what you did. It's just what you did. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's true. Like it's a lot of what just teenagers do. I mean, especially if there's not supervision, but, you know, even then, you know, most kids find their way into some sort of trouble or exploration or rebellion. So, you know, and it was all sort of in that realm of. Yeah, it wasn't anything terrible. I, I wasn't into drugs. I smoked weed a couple times. I just, I've never really, that wasn't anything that was a big deal. I actually, I dated a guy who was a senior and I was a freshman, Mm -hmm. which was a little bit aggressive (laughs) at the time. You know, I didn't really like think too much about it, but now looking back on Mm -hmm. it, like you were a senior, I was a freshman, but he, he was from a really great family in Lima and actually got a lot out of being around that family, to be honest. Like, and we would go to Indian Lake and there was just a family environment there that yeah. I lacked. And so I do actually, I'm grateful for, yeah. for that experience. And then I dated a black guy. I uh-huh. mean, and at that time in Lima, it was like, oh my God. I yeah. mean, that was like a rebellious, I mean, you wouldn't believe the rebellion. Like yeah. it was just like I had, you know, I'd wear my cross color stuff. And I just, to me, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Well, that's good. But I am, you know, curious about the senior and what level you were just, liking like the feeling of, you know, doing things differently or doing things that might get a reaction or might piss people off or like, was there some level of that, that just in hindsight, again, you look back and you think like I was doing it for X reason. And I will tell you this. No. Yeah. And it's a great question. And I will going back to dating the black guy. So I have a, uh, someone who I really respect in my life and it's, she's an, like kind of like a second mom to me. And I remember her saying something to me like that I was rebelling when I did that. And I was like, no, I, I really liked him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, I, when I, I say I, X reason, it doesn't mean that like, it's like the rebellion reason, but I'm, but I'm wondering like, 
there's something there, it seems like, where it's sort of who you are, yes. right? And, and it becomes, I think, part of your ongoing personality that you're not like going to do what is expected or what, you know, norm, or if there is any fear or pressure that's, you know, I mean, in Lima, Ohio, you know, if, if, if white women didn't date black guys, they're most, most people might be afraid of the reaction they're going to get. And you're not. No, no. And that is built within me. And I do get that from my dad. My dad will tell me stories about when, how when he was younger and things that would happen. And he just, some, some people just beat to their own drum. And I'm really grateful for that. Nothing I've ever done has been out of trying. It's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I look at that, I'm like, you're the one with the problem. Right. You know, so if I want to date who I want to date, or if I want to do s- certain thing, it's coming from somewhere innate inside of me. It's nothing about you. Yeah. You know, and, and I, and I, I think I'm like the anti-people pleaser and it's not mm. that I don't do kind things for people in my life. I mean, for my people, I, I feel like I bleed if they need something. I may mean, have a great tribe of people and they do the same, but like people who have this whole people pleasing thing is that's such that you can have a whole episode on that. I just listen to the guide that's authentically inside of me. And if that doesn't line up with society, I'm actually like, Whoa. Yeah. And, and I think that's awesome that you knew that about yourself at a young age. It's, it's interesting to me that you had that kind of core or DNA or, you know, confidence, you know, I think it's uncommon for young people, especially, you know, young women that are coming from divorced families. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons why you might not have the courage, the strength, the awareness, the you know self-awareness to just be authentically you, especially if that might not be popular. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting thing. And, and I guess part of what I was curious about is your authenticity is attracted to, I mean, forget about the guys that you date, but you're not somebody who likes the the normal path. Mm-mm. And you are, I think maybe that's why, you know, we're friends. You know, I I also like the outside the box, you know, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. It's feels more aligned with who I am. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I, and it just, you know, is, I'm just curious about like why that is for you. You know, I don't know don't know. I've never put a lick of thought into any of that. Like it's just always been me. Mm -hmm. And if I have to look back and be grateful for one thing, it's that it's whatever that I have inside of me. I don't know if you call it confidence or I I don't, I think it's a mixture of, of things, but it's that thing that has really helped get me through a tumultuous path. Yeah, I bet. It's great. All right. So let's, let's, you know, well, I mean, I don't want to just gloss over that. It really is great because uh, that wasn't the case for me. And I don't think it's the case for many people. Like I knew that part of me and I felt like that was really who I was, but I was scared to actually step into it and live into it. And I think a lot of people are. It's oh. part of the reason why I like to do the podcast is because people get to hear there's people out there still not living into their authentic authentic selves and I hope that when people hear these kinds mm-hmm. of stories that they step into it a little bit more. I mean, what a, you know, and for people that are living that way and it, there are so many. It's alarming how much people allow external expectations, whether it's family, friends, work, society, trying not to stand out in a crowd. Like that's always been something where I'm like, why would you not want to stand out in a crowd? But everybody just wants to be, it's like you're like gregarious little sheep and you're just falling over the cliff, right? And if you could ever just like stop and be like, whoa, like whatever this is I have, no one else has it exactly like I do. Mm-hmm. You have this whole magical footprint that's just you, right? No one else has it. So what the heck? Like, like why not let it, like, let it shine, let it out. You know, like it's so, so scary, but on the other side of that would be so freeing. 
And that's easy for me to say because I just never, I just always did it. Yeah. I think it's, you know, easier for you than it yeah. is for some people because comfort of not, you know, can can sometimes feel like freedom, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, and it ultimately ends up showing up as, as not free at all. Right. Interesting. Okay. So tell me, you know, as you start to move into college and, you know, that next phase, oh, tell me about that. My college career. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is, if anybody out there, you know, this will be, this will be very inspiring for anybody. Cause it's like, if I can, <laughs> I'm here and I was not a good student at all. So I went to the Ohio state university. Again, I was more interested in making money. I worked at roosters. That's where I met busy bone and his manager and his bodyguards roosters on 161 RIP was the best place. It was so much fun. And mm-hmm. I, it actually was is where I met my future boss that hired me into IT sales, which was really, really amazing part of my story in terms of career. But I still have, you know, recurring nightmares. You ever have recurring? Okay, so I have a mm-hmm. couple. I have like one that my teeth fall out. And then I have one that I never graduated high school. Mm. And then I have one that I show up for a final and it's not the final has been moved Mm -hmm. because that actually happened at Ohio State. I did not go to math class for so long (laughs) that I show up for the final and they go, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this, I was, I'm telling you what, I got my shit together enough to get good grades in my major. So Mm -hmm. I graduated with family financial planning. Mm -hmm. So you have to get like, at least I think it was like a three point in that major. But I think if you averaged my entire was I just, but I, it wasn't like I was dumb. I did not apply myself. Yeah. I argue that I might've been a genius of sorts. I mean, how the hell did I, how the hell did I make that? How did I well, make it? Well, I hate to I mean, I, I kid down. about, I kid you about know. the genius thing, but like. Right. Cause, cause it's actually just more reflective of the educational system and how easy it is to navigate it and slip through the cracks. Cause I did the same thing. I mean, I it's mean, wild. No exaggeration. Like honest, like, I don't know who was the worst of a student. We both were probably pretty bad, but like, I also like, I literally just can't believe how little I did and graduated from college. And I, I didn't maybe know it like you did, but I, I also didn't realize that it wasn't because I wasn't smart. It was because I just wasn't interested mm-hmm. in, in learning that yeah. way. But it's phenomenal how you can both be smart, right? And and also be very successful and be so bad academically and still get through the system. Yeah, but like the whole act, like it's very boxed in. Yeah. Like if you're not, I wasn't into that. Like, but I'll tell you what, when I met... Chris Wolf, got to give him a shout out, and his crew at Roosters, they were super successful. They mm-hmm. caught on to the boom where the uh, the whole ILEC monopoly, where the phone lines, you had like the CLEC, so like XO Communications, NextLink, all these mm-hmm. companies were able to sell now against the big monopoly. Mm-hmm. Well, then these salespeople were making like, I mean, $100 a line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were making hand over fist. I was like, I want to do what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. You're rolling in here at 3 p.m., drinking Miller Lights and driving BMWs. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, Kara, you're going to have to go sell printers first and cut your teeth. And we don't hire people with no experience. I'm like, who's your boss? Like, let me get in front of her. Mm-hmm. I, I can do this job. So Chris. So that's what happens. So you're working at Roosters. Yes. They come in. coming in in nice cars yep. and you're like, what and do you do? I befriend these guys. So they're, yeah. they're great, great, great group of guys. And I'm like, well, I want to do what you do. And so at the time you really. You were how old? I was, what I say, 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And I was just graduating college. Maybe I was a little bit younger, whatever age you are. And so they didn't hire without previous sales experience because it was kind of like a big, t- like a bigger sales job for at least for someone like me. Mm-hmm. And so I asked Chris, I said, who's your boss? Can I get in front of her? I can do this job. So he gets me in front of Jean Cesario and she's just an incredible woman. And I just basically laid it out for her. And she's mm-hmm. like, what did she say? Something like, she said she was going to give me a shot and she said something like, you better not, she didn't say you better not fuck it up, but she, in so many words. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. I went in there and I made it my absolute life's mission. I would do, and that's the thing I see myself today and what, what I'm good at today is still reflective of that, where mm-hmm. I would, you know, I saw the 
the 55 restaurant group CEO on the cover of a, of a magazine, right? I'm like, well, they've got a shitload of phone lines, right? So I do some creative thing, get in front of him, sell all the store. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, story after story where I just made it like a game. Yeah. And I became really successful at sales. Mm-hmm. And what was, your, what was your motivator behind the success? Was it, was it sort of the gaming aspect? Was it the money? Was it the challenge? I wanted to be successful because then I, you know, I'm seeing my dad now. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old enough to figure that part out where I'm like, wait a minute, this is what you do. Like you climb a ladder and you take pride in it and it means something. That was the first time it kind of clicked for me in that way. Money, yes, of course. So financial freedom. But I mean, I was an idiot with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I could probably have, you know, whatever now from just what I made. I mean, I was making well over six figures. I was 23 years old. I had mm-hmm. no responsibilities at all, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it was the freedom, the mm-hmm. flexibility, the success and the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, those jobs, you don't have to show up from nine to five. I haven't, yeah. had, I haven't had to be shackled to a time clock ever. Yeah. The freedom that that allows for you, it's a, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. I look at people that have to go into work every day, all day. And I'm like, how, like, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's funny that you even got the job. I mean, obviously you oh, I sold w- yourself, I did, right? And so if I'm looking for a salesperson mm-hmm. and they're selling hard, why it should be them, that's a good sign. Oh, she, yeah. she obviously saw something in you yeah. to give you that chance. And you go on then to have success in that role. You do prove to her mm-hmm. and others and yourself that, you know, you can do this. Yep. So what happens? So what happens next? <sighs> There was a huge fallout. It was actually uh, in the telecom industry. And when I worked at Exo Communications and they went bankrupt, it was like a whole big thing. But I ended up going to SBC. I got recruited into SBC, which that was like a, I mean, talk about a, that was probably taught me, Roosters probably taught me more life skills, but very closely behind would be SBC. I mean, I walked in there as me. Okay, only what, 25 years younger? You can only imagine the tenacity. I had fire in my belly, like you wouldn't believe. And I walked into a legacy SBC bureaucratic, slow. I mean, the wheels of that freaking machine turned slow. Mm-hmm. So I was just ruffling feathers here and there everywhere because A, I was working really hard, which mm-hmm. kind of rubbed some people mm-hmm. that were lifers and like didn't want to stand out. And I was rubbing the legal team the wrong way because I needed something quicker. I was rubbing, you know, every, because there's all these teams that have to work together. And so my mentor, Carol Vanette, she she became a very great mentor to me. And this is when I first met her. And I was frustrated and she's like, Carrie, like all these people are a part of this game. You need these people to win here. And so I figured out there how that really works, mm-hmm. you know, cause you don't, at SBC, you don't just go sell a hundred phone lines and get paid at SBC. You're crafting a deal. Like I was in the global markets, right? So these things were complex and they took time. So the life skills I learned there were just incredible. I mean, I learned so much in corporate. I got my ass beat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said. It's funny because, you know, you're this, you know, outside the box, you know, authentically you fully expressed, you get to do that to some degree in sales, you know, you got to be a little careful mm-hmm. and now you're in corporate world. Yes. There's something for me, I was also in banking. So I, you know, spent five years in more of a corporate setting. And even, you know, when I was working in real estate after that, it was a little more traditional and there is something to be said, I think, I think I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on knowing what you don't want and actually like really experiencing it so that you can go on to create the thing that you want fully, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, did that happen for you that like being in that corporate world, what was that like an embodied experience that had you realizing just what you wanted to create for yourself and make sure it was none of the things you didn't like about the corporate world? Yeah. So when I first started in corporate, I I was so, I mean, I was just blind to like, I just wanted to be successful. I mean, I was just so into it. I was going to be, you know, I was going to have my VP's job when she retired. I was going to go, I was taking it all the way. Mm -hmm. But then I also had this entrepreneurial thing where I also did makeup for weddings and I had a makeup, like I had a website. And when I, you know, 
had this idea called Trendy Friend that I was working on with some friends. And I've always had this like thing that was this, this entrepreneurial thing. So, and like I, I taught for Bally Total Fitness. I don't know if you know that, did like step aerobics. So there's always like side hustles, even back before we talked about side hustles. Mm-hmm. When I was working in corporate America, as I started progress, to progress through that and be, become more successful. So I became the director of Columbus and Toledo and the enterprise market. And I had this huge book of business and I had a team and I really enjoyed it, parts of it. I enjoyed the team parts. I enjoyed the people part. I enjoyed being able to help someone figure out what they were trying to accomplish. Did they, did they want to make more money? Did they want to, you know, what do they want to do? Like, I love that part, making it, you know, I used to joke around about how Mondays were the best days of the week. And I would have these like sales meetings that were very high energy and what, because if you didn't there, it was like you were, you know, that environment will just suck your soul dry. You walk into this conference room, everyone's sitting there with, you know, like, stale bagels from Panera and, you know, you're talking about numbers and comp and everybody's stressed. I mean, it could be a very soul-sucking environment. So Mm -hmm. I always tried to provide levity and humor. And I definitely didn't fit in necessarily in corporate America in ways, but in other ways, I think I was a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. there. Oh, I'm sure. So then as as I started to progress through it, and when I met Gretchen Dussault, who is now my co-founder of System of Strength. So when she and I got together, I was still in corporate America and and we started to sort of talk about this system. It was then that I realized what I was missing. Mm. Because when you live your life and you're just going through the motions, you don't really realize what you're missing until either something comes along or mm-hmm. so all of a sudden I was like, wait, I'm feeling something that's yeah. so like I don't care if I make however much a year. This is a very empty feeling compared to what I'm doing over here. And so mm. that for me outweighed. Then all of a sudden it was like this whole, like, I mean, I was like, I was so into becoming the VP and I was so into like, where do I have to move to like, take that next step after that? And like, just climbing that ladder. And part of that could have just been because my dad's so Mm -hmm. successful. Maybe I was just trying to subconsciously, whatever. When this, when this came along, it was like, wait a minute, this is different. This is way different. It's interesting just sitting here thinking about what you just shared. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then you're conditioned, whether you're trying to prove something or you just saw something, you know, you, you kind of know this lane of like, work it and move your way up. And yes, you're authentically being yourself, but like, that wasn't really who you were, Mm -hmm. but it was what you knew. And it is a feeling, you know, I do think that's the thing to pay attention to is like, well, it doesn't feel right. And then that does feel right, mm-hmm. right? And if you can just learn to pay attention to the feelings, go towards the things that that feel good, what, you know, look, I mean, being an entrepreneur doesn't always feel good, right? If you have the like feeling of this is me, this is where I should be, then you work through it. So tell me, you know, you meet Gretchen mm-hmm. and I am curious, you know, even just backing up a little bit, you have all these like entrepreneurial like many experiences mm-hmm. and you have got ideas and you're, you're playing with trying. Do you recognize that you're an entrepreneur or is that like, just like something you're just kind of hustling, side hustle, having fun, trying shit? No, because when I was doing it, there wasn't like Gary V. There was no social media. I just knew, here's what I knew. I knew that when I was doing those things, I had a sense of joy and fulfillment that I didn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. So when I would teach step aerobics at Bally's, I had this feeling of like, this is what, like this, and it was the connection. It was people coming up after class or saying, you know, this has helped me with X, Y, and Z. It's like the human connection that 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 created. I wasn't making any money doing that. The makeup, I mean, watching, like doing a bridal party before a bride walks down the aisle. I mean, there's nothing more emotional and sort of amazing about that. I would leave there feeling I would either cry, like I would, I would be like overjoyed. You're a part of somebody's biggest moment and you make them feel beautiful. Like those moments, I was just like so fulfilled and so joyful and grateful. That's what I felt. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that feeling because when I didn't have it, like when I stopped Mm -hmm. teaching, it's funny about the fitness thing and how it kind of came full circle because I always missed the fitness component. I always miss, I'm like, God, when I used to teach, I used to feel, I would go back and think about how I felt and I missed it. And I would always search for that again. And it's interesting. So that- but Did you just not see these things as like, 
there was a path there. Like, like this could be work. It was like, I feel good when I do this. I love how it makes other people feel. It's fun, but this isn't a career. Right. I don't think at the time, because at that, you know, and this might go back to my dad again. I think at the time in my mind, like what I needed to be doing was like climbing a corporate ladder and being successful. And I did enjoy that. I I loved building a team. Mm -hmm. I loved, there were so many things I loved about it and that were natural for me. It wasn't like I was just like, oh my God, I'm miserable in corporate America trying to be someone I'm not. It wasn't that. I loved it. And there was a part of me that was really good at it. Mm -hmm. And that's what kept me there. And so you're making really great money. You, you have a ton of responsibility. And I felt like these things were sort of just like a little side gig. I never really thought like, oh, I'll take this makeup thing to the next level. It was just something I did to make extra money. And the money wasn't even really like the thing. It was just, sure. I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah. But like today with all of this, with all of these resources that people have, yeah. you know, and, and all this knowledge, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I just, just wasn't time for me. Or if no, if like at that point in time, it just wasn't as prevalent to say, yeah, you could totally take this and do it full time. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, there's a lot of like shit around social media and technology and whatever, right? And truth to a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think is amazing is that there are a lot more people that are aware, you know, yes, Gary V and others, but it's a whole generation now of people who see a path forward doing all kinds of unique things mm-hmm. that don't have to climb the corporate ladder, don't have to go down the got to get internship, got to get college degree, got to get right. job, got to work my way up. Like the world has changed in that way. And, you know, you can argue how much we need or don't need some of the content that's being produced, right? But at the end of the day, <laughs> like- our content, Brett. Sure, need our content. I hope, at least our, you know- <laughs> 312. Well, right. <laughs> but I think it's for the better that people have the freedom to express themselves and get paid to do it and hopefully, you know, make somebody laugh or build something that that actually people use. You know, I think it's something I would have loved to have had. Mm-hmm. And I hope that there's more people. I mean, you end up- doing it anyway, right? You end up figuring out you are an entrepreneur, you take the jump, you make the leap, you make it work. But there's so many people that probably could have made a jump and didn't because of the world being the way it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about SOS. Yeah. So I am curious about like how you guys came up with what was, you know, your own unique approach not just to being in business, but to being in the fitness business. You know, you came up with something, at least locally, and I don't know, you know, what you were inspired by, borrowed from, you know, bits and pieces put together. But I am curious, like, how did you guys come up with the system that you did? So Gretchen had the name System of Strength, and she she was doing classes at, do you know Ronan? The, no. the, they do like the MMA fighter thing. Mm. So she was renting a couple of hours every morning and she was teaching like a handful of people. And at the time, I don't even remember, I think she might've had clocked and maybe control. So she was doing a hit class mm-hmm. and then she had a control, which was very different than it is today. And then there was something I think she called roll. That was a very, actually, she and I need to talk about that again, because that was an interesting class. <laughs> so anyway, when I met her, I was like, you know, I, I think I was just in the time in my life too, because I was struggling with the infertility stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling very like ready. I wanted to feel that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. That, and again, with the fitness thing. You were how old at that point? I was probably, so it was 10 years ago. So it was like 37, 36, or maybe it was 12 when I met her. That's Maybe 12 years ago, I met her. Okay. So, so you're um, married. You yes. You're struggling. Yes. I mean, not everybody knows that part of the story. Yes. So, yes. So yeah. I, we definitely struggle with infertility. And I remember when I met, when I saw what she was doing, the time I thought, you know, maybe I could sub for her. I think she's really cool. She's like playing Lint Biscuit and she's a good personality. I'm ready for like something. i feeling that feeling of joy, mm-hmm. right? And so when she and I started to talk, I was like, you know what? I can give you some business advice because she had kind of a, you know, she had some. Sorry. I love the fact that like playing Limp Biscuit made her cool. But, well, I, and then my don't, own no, don't, don't even start with me in Limp Biscuit. Oh my God. Fred Durst, Fred Durst. And you can take that cookie. Yeah. 
Fred, oh, Fred let me take a, just a quick side. I will never forget where I was when I first heard that the significant other album. It was uh, it was so good, huh. so good. You'll never take that away from me. No, yeah, played. You'll never take that away from me. It's, it was so good and so different. So anyway, so uh, so I started to give her just some advice here and there with her blog and you know everything else, and she and I just clicked. I mean, she's an incredible human being. She's so much fun, and our energy and our dynamic it was just undeniable. And so we were like, let's sit down and just because she and I were very and still are just kind of work out sickos. Mm-hmm. And so we would go, I mean, I would be known to go to like a Pilates mat class. And then I'd go to the box gym and run a half hour because I wasn't getting enough. Like mm-hmm. we were cobbling together some kind of system anyway already, mm-hmm. but we were driving. We were spending more money than we mm-hmm. needed to. We were, it was stupid. Yeah. So then we put our heads together to say, okay, Gretchen, you've got like something started here. It's really great. How do we sort of like round this out and make it even more comprehensive? And so then I was a Pilates yoga person. Mm-hmm. So so I sort of brought that Pilates yoga feel to it with high and tight ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And so she and I together just sort of created this thing and people just loved it. Mm. Yeah. And, and I wonder, you know, in your opinion, because I know what I liked about it and, you know, I was doing private with you, yeah. so I didn't get the full class experience, but I was like around it enough to see the people coming and going and, you know, paying attention to what was going on there. And, I, and I'm kind of curious, what do you think it is that you guys created that had people uh, so committed and loyal and like loving it and like the community that got created? I think from a practical standpoint, we actually hit the, we hit the mark on creating something that you can do that's not going to get you bored, that's going to show you physical results and it is affordable. So that's that's kind of on a, a mm. practical level. Mm. But I think what's even more important and has been more impactful and lasting, you know, they say your vibe attracts your tribe, kind of a cheesy statement, but it's really true. Mm-hmm. And Gretchen and I both have, like as much as you say, like my authenticity and kind of whatever, she has her own. Mm-hmm. You're not going to meet another Gretchen do so. And and she's going to stick with you in, that, in her own way too. Mm-hmm. So I think between the two of us, People really saw that like, okay, wait, these are two women we would love to hang out with. They actually care about the right things. And our authenticity, coupled with the fact that it was a really good workout, I just think it struck, it just kind of struck. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think there's another piece, and maybe this just because it's like the stuff that I care about, Mm -hmm. but I think you also had a space that was sexy and unique and it didn't feel like a bally fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were sort of boutique, but it was cool. You build a brand, the music, like all that I think really matters. Do you think it was she and I that were sexy? Or do you think it was just a space? I was talking about the space. <laughs> you really you, you know, you really could have just gone there with me. Sure. Yeah. You guys also <laughs> sexy, but the space was like dark and yeah. vibey uh-huh. and like, you know. Unisex. You were kind of touching on all the, right. Mm-hmm. Unisex, actually, that's really important. Mm-hmm. You know, like anybody could go yeah. in there and feel like this is cool. Yep. You know, the uh, unisex vibe has been very important. Yeah. Very yeah. important. You're right. From a business standpoint. Well, from, we did know because we just decided. I mean, some people could argue. And if you would have a business consultant come in, they'd say, you know what? scrap it, mm-hmm. go for women. And that's what a lot of fitness places will do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the girl squad and the women and whatever. We never wanted that. We always wanted the male factor. Like we wanted them to be comfortable and to be able to come in. Cause we're kind of rough. Like we're not girly girls. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're very kind of like, I don't know if you want to call us tomboyish, but like we just jive with the guys just like we do the girls. Mm-hmm. And it just makes sense because a lot of these females would drag their reluctant husbands or boyfriends mm-hmm. in or whatever. And then they would sort of be, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. And then what, what's amazing about it is everybody would get in the best shape of their life. And you're like, yeah. this you, thing, you, you, you had to have results at the end of the no, day. The, right? You can't yeah. just have a sexy no. space and good music. Like if no. people, and at the end of the day, I think that's probably maybe the most important thing, right? That people were getting good results. And there's something else I want to just touch on, because I don't know if this was an accident or something you had experienced and wanted to provide. But for me, fitness, I'm kind of like today at least, and I I didn't used to be this way, but today at least, not when you're working out with me, I'm like you, like I can't get enough. Like I will literally go play tennis, you know, sweat my ass off, 
come home, work out. Sometimes like this morning I worked out before I played tennis. Later on, I'm going to go for a walk. Like now I've got the backpack on the walk. Like I love it. I love it. It just feels so good to, for whatever reason it is, mm -hmm. right? And and you look good too, by the way. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. I have been working mm -hmm. on it. I can tell. Thank you. And, you know, it's, it's, but it's like a, it's an energetic thing that works mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I really did notice at SOS is that there was like mental release that was happening too, mm -hmm. right? And you can get that in fitness in a lot of ways. I mean, I was actually having a, I had a rough day yesterday and this morning I went and played tennis. I play at Ohio State with Ty Tucker and the guys in Ty, like he coaches you up and he kicks your ass. And I told him like, oh, you know, this is what happened at work yesterday. And he just worked my ass off. And I was like feeling not just the physical release, but the emotional release at the same time. And I've seen that happen at SOS. You've created a place for people to mentally and physically heal, grow, you know, build strength. Yeah. We, it's by design. It's mm. not by accident. When From the you, beginning? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we, so together we are stronger was one of the first things that Gretchen and I created. And so we, and we also have a nonprofit called Keep Moving. So the underbelly of system strength is what is your system of strength in life? What is it? Do you have one? And how do you create that? First of all, internally, you have to create it here and then the ripple effect externally and inevitably occurs. Before anybody gets a job at System of Strength, the together we are stronger mentality is the first thing we talk about. So we'd really try to scare away some of these people who are all about the superficial. You come in with like six pack and the biceps and you think that, oh, automatically you're going to be like the, you know, we don't care about that. We, we don't care about that. That will happen inevitably. You'll get in better shape at SOS. So when you when you are a trainer or an employee at System of Strength, like the client that walks through the door is giving you 60 minutes of their time that they're never going to get back. It's currency, mm -hmm. the most important currency, 60 minutes of their time that they had to carve out that day, that week, that month, in spite of all the shit that life is throwing their way. And that's a, that's a very important thing that they're giving to you. So I don't care if you were, you know, were in traffic or your playlist isn't working right, whatever. You show up and you show up with that in mind. So you show up with that and then you look in the crowd and you say, you know what, what are each of these people going through in life right now? Is it cancer? Did someone just pass away? Is someone getting married? Did someone just have a baby? Look around at the tapestry of life that's happening right in front of you. And this is what the trainers lead with. And it gives mm. me goosebumps even mm. today, you know, talking about it because it changes the game. It changes the way you show up. It changes the room, it changes the client's experience. And then along with that, our trainers are so good at just talking about being there and being strong for your, your, you know, your family, your friends. So for example, instead of saying, hey guys, let's make sure we get a six pack for, for spring break. It's like, hey, do you want to be able to walk up the stairs with a 50 pound backpack and a kid on your hip? Like what are all the functional movements during the day that we can help make better for you? Like that you can be strong mm -hmm. inside of your vessel. Mm -hmm. So there's always been something more with system of strength. So any of our messaging, like whether you see messy or vessel mission, and we do like that, we, we play with the double S, but there's always like fearless, badass. Mm -hmm. There's always, there's messages behind all of that. It's like, how do you show up in life? Mm -hmm. That's great. Let's shift a little bit to, you know, how you show up in life. We'll come back to that yeah. because you once gave me shit about giving you shit for how you were showing up in life. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the infertility and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about what you've shared courageously, mm -hmm. publicly, you lost a child, mm -hmm. you've been through some real shit mm -hmm. in the business, in life. And, uh, you know, I just want you to share whatever feels right. Yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, you also are a human being right? You've got this DNA that has you strong and high achiever, and you can overcome a lot and you can rally people and, you know, you, that's who you are. And like, I don't care who you are and what your DNA is. Life is going to throw you some heavy shit and it's thrown you some heavy yeah. shit that you've really had to deal with. And, you know, I think I understand that, you know, part of the reason you started 
the show yeah. was so that you could share that part of yourself too. Yeah. Right. That at SOS, you know, you come in, you're probably, you know, the owner, mm-hmm. right. People are looking at you a certain way, but you know, I think there's some commonality there in what you just shared about like the whole person right? It's not just about the six pack and what it looks like on the outside. These are whole human beings. And you've now been sharing that part of yourself too, which yeah. I'm super happy to see. I think it's really good for people and it's good for you too. Yeah. Well, so going back to when you're just saying about how you gave me some advice on how I was showing up, mm-hmm. <laughs> quick story. So I'm leaving for Bali. This is in the thick of our, our training relationship yeah. and we've already developed quite the rapport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and you knew, right? What you're like, you you know, me being vulnerable. I mean, I was just, I'm not interested. Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, at times, but in public for like, I just, it's not natural for me. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of where I have two left feet mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready to go to Bali and I'm telling you how I'm just going there for like, just to learn yoga. And you're like, well, just soak up all the, you know, get all the other weird stuff. I'm like, I'm really not like, into- I think you told me you just like wanted to get the certification. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So then we started, you know, we kind of volleyed back and forth, whatever you're like, just don't be an ICC. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll let, I'll let people kind of figure out what that I word did. is. Call you and see where. But here's the thing, I which I don't. No, no, you and I remember ever like calling anybody. No, you and I had a band. There was a reason why you didn't. There was. I felt comfortable, and I promise you, I try to hit you with it. I started the c word with you. Okay, yeah, probably is what anybody can put that back together. I basically called him the c. Probably more in your yeah. uh, Yeah. So anyway, so I do thank you for that because I think about you even to this day when I think about the vulnerability factor and I'm like, he's right. Like I just need to kind of open up and let all that happen. Mm. But you know, life will do that for you. Yeah. And whatever, whatever lesson you're supposed to learn, it's just, it's weird how it kind of just unfolds, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in ways that you would never ask for. Part of the reason why I did do the podcast is my healing journey, but it's also for other people like SOS community. You hear bits and pieces of it in the studio And if we do like an inspirational story, you might get like a four minute snippet, but a podcast creates more intimacy. Mm -hmm. You can go so much deeper. Like we just did an hour podcast on Sarah Anastasi. You know, she's an SOS client who lost her husband to suicide. Mm -hmm. The amount of feedback Mm -hmm. that I got on that story alone and the amount of views. Yeah. She got to get that out and like that was therapy for her Mm -hmm. and I think for a lot of people. Yes. And so it's not just for me. Like I don't Mm want to, I'm not doing this so I can like just talk about my journey. Mm -hmm. Because even today, like I don't love doing it. I have to assess, you know, and I've put things out and and I've talked about it, but I don't love oversharing about it. Like I, I just do give little breadcrumbs here and there. It's like Mm -hmm. you just kind of do what you can do at that moment. I think it's also just to allow form for other people's stories too and the butterfly effect of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question. I mean, and I think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, what you don't love about it is it's hard. It's painful. Yeah, it's really painful. And I think that uh, it's sort of like the part you were talking about earlier about not being authentic right? That it's easier to stay in the space you're comfortable with, Mm -hmm. but it's very freeing too. And you get this added benefit of you being free and what that does for other people. So that's a good point because what motivates me more is seeing other people struggling with where I've been. How can I not look back and see someone on the path that I've walked down Mm -hmm. and how can I not be open? Mm-hmm. That that for me feels like oh I have an obligation more than me just kind of talking about it because I want to talk about it. Right. It really is, and to honor the three girls, you know, I had two stillborn and one Jade that was you know with us for sixteen days. It honors them and mm-hmm. they're kind of. I like to say their names. I like to, you know, you don't want to say their names a lot because you don't want to make people awkward or mm-hmm. uncomfortable. But like, yeah, I like to say their. I like to talk yeah. about it. Yes, but. It is definitely so many people struggle with infertility and child loss. It's a very isolating, shameful, lonely place to be. And to have, you know, to, you know, it's like with anything, if you look at someone and, and you're like, oh wait, they've done, they've been there. It makes you feel so not alone. It makes you feel so much better. Like, oh my God, I'm not alone. And so if I can just 
if my one story can make someone feel less alone, you know, I'm in. Yeah. It's interesting if you don't mind just staying there yeah. a little bit. Cause you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, we had a stillborn and, uh, it was still to this day. And I'm sure, you know, Katie would say the same magnified by a thousand. I mean, to be a woman and physically, emotionally go through that experience is it's excruciating. It was, it was like one of the worst things that I've ever experienced. And, you know, I can't even imagine what you've experienced. It's painful. It's really painful. And it's interesting. You use the word shame mm -hmm. and hidden. I don't know why that is. It's just because it makes people uncomfortable to talk about. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be that way. It's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, this is life. Like it's one of those really hard things that people go through far too often. Yeah. Well, I think it's the contrast of the, the masses who, who get to experience the other side of it. So it's like when you, most people around you are having healthy babies and they're doing, you know, going through all the motions that I guess you're supposed to go through. And when you get hit with something that is so opposite it just becomes a very challenging situation for both sides mm -hmm. because the people who don't get it, don't get it. And they yeah. don't know how to comfort you. And you don't even know how you want to be comforted because you can talk to so many females. And of course I, I would handle something different than, than mm -hmm. Katie, perhaps mm -hmm. like, you know, I made sure I went to every single baby shower after we lost Angel, I would be damned if I was going to let my friends down. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many women would look at me and go, what's wrong with you? Like, you, mm -hmm. you, it's okay to not go to that. Mm -hmm. And it is okay to not go to that. Mm -hmm. But but everybody handles their That's shit, right. right? That's right. And so I think that with, and because you're a woman and your body, you know, you, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And, you know, whether it's your fault, I mean, God, women will blame themselves mm -hmm. for everything. I mean, mm -hmm. you have a miscarriage. It's like, well, I took a jog for five minutes or mm -hmm. I ate jalapeno or mm -hmm. you'll figure out every way to make it your fault. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just sort of the nature of the beast that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's why it's so beautiful that you share and talk about it. And I know it's hard, mm -hmm. but it is bringing light to subject that so many women are keeping in the dark. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking back to like your your parents and the challenges of being young and married and having kids and then having miscarriages. I mean, and and trying to grow a business and right, there's like a lot. It's pretty heavy, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think oftentimes like the really hard kind of dark stuff, there's not a lot of room for it. And it does need, there needs to be some space so that people can have that part, you know, be a part of it too. It has you to know? be, you yeah. know, I think Darcy Wine was just on my podcast. We were talking about sort of toxic positivity and how people just so often run away from the dark. You know why they're doing it because no one wants to be there. Mm -hmm. But once you realize the dark is the teacher. Mm -hmm. the, the, the dark is literally the professor that's like rapping on your chamber door. It's like, yeah. hey, pull back, sit mm -hmm. with me for a bit mm -hmm. and you will come out different. Yeah. And if you can just understand that that's part of the experience, because, you know, me looking back, my God, like going through two stillborns and, and losing Jade mm -hmm. and being separated from Brady, you know, all those things mm -hmm. happening. Who the hell would want that? Right. But I look on the other side of this journey yeah. and yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, like, I am more compassionate or yeah. you can, and I could, I think I could use a dose of that. Right. I have so much more empathy. I could definitely use a dose of that. Yeah. Like I have completely not changed, but I have shifted, shifted yeah. enough yeah. where I'm like, right. you know what? Oh, just, it's, it's really, it's, yeah. it's crazy to think. It's like, I look now, I have this wisdom and this patience and this understanding. It's it's almost like my, um, like, I think I actually am one of the few people that can actually try to put someone else's lens on mm -hmm. and remove mine. Yeah. It's, it's hard, right? Well, yeah. I can see your perspective, but no, mm -hmm. hold on. Can you really, can you see my perspective that you've, the road you've never walked, you've never had to experience? Can you actually take yours off and put someone else's on? It's a very, very hard. And I, hard, I'm not yeah. saying I can do it a hundred percent, but yeah. I am so much better at it now because yeah. of going through such hard things, yeah. you do realize you don't know what you would do. Right. You don't know how you would, you don't know. Right. But you do know that 
it must be hard and you know what hard is. Yes. Yeah. And so you And that's like enough. You leave so yeah. much space for that person to be able yeah. to just do and grieve and be what they need to do and be and grieve. Yeah. Well, I just give you a lot of props for um uh, and it's like look, uh life gave it to you mm-hmm. and yet you took it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it could have just kicked your ass. Yep. It could have forced you to do all kinds of things, which people do. And, you know, I get that too, Mm -hmm. right? Like sometimes that's what's needed, even if it's not ultimately serving you, but you didn't do that. You know, you use that strength that you had and you leaned into the darkness and you've grown and you're still you, right? Like if you listen to the first five minutes of this podcast, (laughs) right? Like you haven't- Please don't edit it. Right. Well, you haven't lost like- your your personality, oh. right? You haven't lost that, you know, mix it up, you know, authenticity outside the box. But like there is a difference in the edge. Mm-hmm. It's 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 smoother, it's a little rounder, it's a little more full because you've let that part of you come out yeah. too. And personally, you know, and I and I loved you from the day we met, like the old Carrie was was yeah. you know who I became friends with, yeah. right? But uh, I think part of the reason I was you know challenging you back then is because I felt like there was more there, and it's great to see that come out. And yeah, I'm excited to just continue to see where you go with the show and whatever you do. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Like yeah. you've done enough. You know, <laughs> you're just living, and yeah. and it is fun though to see like you putting out stuff that continues to make a difference to people, you know, whether that's SOS or, or your podcast or whatever else you get into. Like, I, I think you now have this thing where you know that whatever you do is going to make a difference to people and that will have you do it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, I just, I appreciate you and your friendship. I know I don't see you every day, but whenever I do, it's like my cup runneth over. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you think you could use your here we go. You think you could leverage your audience uh-huh. to get busy and crazy bone on my show? Probably not. Why not? But like, put it out there. Go ahead. Bone thugs in harmony. Yep. Yep. Bom, yep. Bom, 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 yep, yep, bom. yep. Okay. Uh-huh. So anyway, like Reynoldsburg's finest. I think. Well, no. So they're from Cleveland, oh, and Cleveland? so I think I'm. Well, no. I think busy. One of them was lived in Westerville. Okay. But anyway, so I've been DMing with crazy and busy. Okay. And we've been, you know. Look, you know, it's out there. You know, if anybody can help Carrie with this, you know, bone dream thugs. guest, Bone Thugs. Um, or, and anybody else that's cool that's singing. If that's any, okay. Hey, that was, Ke- that was Keisha might, who did that too. All right, we might edit that part out, but um, no, I don't think you should. Uh, I'm not sure that my audience is going to be helpful, but we'll give it a shot. This is, you never know. Whatever you put out into the universe, you just never know. You never know. That's right. Thank you, Brett Kaufman. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time oh, of out of course. your busy schedule. To, I had to move some things around to yeah, make this happen. Yeah. And I'll just be waiting. Sitting you know, I wouldn't. Here's what I wouldn't I do. Like, you know, what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. However, I would be cautiously optimistic that you're going to get the call. Okay. That's good. I'm, uh, for the record, not holding my breath, but. It will be your, your ass will be in that studio. Believe me. When when the phone rings, I will take the call. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak. 